0: comes from Acts 1, Jesus taken into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, He presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them and gave many, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, When suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives A Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group of numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures have been had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke of long ago through David. Concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry.
1: The sermon series we begin this week is titled Adaptive Acts. There's a, an intended double meaning in that title. First and foremost, you've noticed already that we are going to be exploring some texts in the book of Acts. This is the, uh, the account of the life of the early church that we understand was written by Luke. And so it's the same author as Luke's gospel, but Acts continues in this text, uh, written ascribed to the same person, uh, volume two, uh, written by Luke and As we study, we're going to study selected texts during January and February that feature people in the early church and how they followed the Holy Spirit's leading to adapt to changes in God's direction and also changing circumstances in the mission. From the very beginning, the church has had to adapt And we see this clearly in the book of Acts. In fact, adapting is what the church does. So we're calling this series Adaptive Acts. And the subtitle is Directed by Divine Detours. Because just like when we're driving and we encounter a detour, we don't plan for that detour to be there. When it surprises us in our path or along the road, we find ourselves traveling on a stretch of road we didn't envision ourselves going on. And when we dig into the book of Acts, we find out that that's how the church lived and moved. And the primary mover of them throughout is the Holy Spirit. As we examine several scenes where Jesus' disciples faced unanticipated changes, We'll see, in each case, a crisis that could have derailed the mission if they wouldn't have adapted. And these adaptive moves following the Holy Spirit kept the church going. And the church kept adapting successfully through the centuries and so on and so on. And here we are, in a very different place, in a very different time, and yet, the same church. Drawn together by the same God with the same mission and message. From the very beginning, the same God has been with us. But leading us on a mission by his Holy Spirit in an ever-changing world. And what we learn in this study will help us in our strategic work as a congregation, so yes, you might be already putting two and two together, that, that our strategic work, being in the middle of a congregational mission study, is very much integrated into this sermon series. We will be better able, through this study, to envision how we might accomplish God's goals for us in the midst of significant changes, both inside and outside the congregation. Some of us have been here for a long time. You look around, there's been a lot of changes. You know, uh, uh, Tal and Jimmy talked about how young life locally has been through a lot of changes. There's been adaptations, and and there's new things that begin. And frankly, a lot of new things are adaptations to changing circumstances. All in faithfully continuing the mission. So it will provide... It will provide spiritual guidance for our work as a congregation. But don't think that this is just for the church as a whole. It's also for our individual lives. Our journey as disciples, as we consider and grow in the art of allowing God to guide us. That's really what this series is all about. Guide us into new opportunities for living faithfully. Well, today we focus on the first chapter of the book of Acts and perhaps the most significant adaptive move the church has ever or will ever need to make. And you already know this because you have to experience this personally and have. You might wonder, what are you talking about, Pastor Kurt? This is an adaptation that every believer On the the earth today has to deal with. And I'm talking about this. I'm talking about being a follower of a teacher and savior who was once bodily present in the world, but is not currently here in a way that we can see him with our eyes. When the disciples gathered with Jesus before he ascended into heaven, they had only known Jesus by seeing Jesus. Even in his resurrected form, Jesus appeared to them bodily. So, what we see in Acts chapter 1 is a major adaptation that was basically kind of called into being by God's plan of Jesus returning to the Father, of Jesus ascending into heaven. You can think about this in terms of the biblical text of, you know, the, the, test ex, test itself, the text itself shows the disciples as they're, as they're watching Jesus ascend into heaven. It's this upward movement, and, and they continue staring at the sky. We don't know how long they were staring, but the two who we, the people dressed in white, who we understand to be angels, who were there as a messenger to reinforce what Jesus had said to them already, said, hey, you know what Jesus had said was going to happen? He mentioned the Holy Spirit. Um, get ready for that to happen. Don't just stay here looking up into the sky. Jesus is going to be present to you in a new way. But it's hard to do, but we have to put ourselves into their shoes. They didn't know who the Holy Spirit was at that time. They had not known Jesus without knowing Jesus as a human being bodily present with them. Now, how it intersects with our lives is that each Christian has to come to terms with the challenge of having a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior, and speaking of it in current times, which we've already done. Myself, Adrian, Young Life, everyone talks about this personal relationship with Jesus. We all have to adapt to talking about that personal relationship without ne- with never having seen Jesus in bodily form. Because my testimony of knowing Jesus, I'll just confess to you, I have not seen Jesus in bodily form. Most of us haven't. I would just go out on a limb with that. So, wow. How do we make sense of it? Well, let's talk about this adaptation that took place in the first chapter of Acts. So, when I say that, okay, according to the unfolding of God's plan of salvation, Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the dead to life and appeared to his disciples... To prove that he was alive, he ascended into heaven where he is to this day. And we expect, as was promised in Acts and throughout the New Testament, that Jesus will bodily return to earth. Jesus will return. One day he will make this bodily return, but until then, he's not here. Right then, when I say that, you would say, wait a minute, but he is here, Pastor Kurt. That's the adaptation. We have gone from Jesus not being here bodily to being convinced that Jesus is here from the very first step of the church's life. And we are so confident of that. But it's important to remember this, especially when preaching to the choir of believers, is that for people who don't have a living relationship with Jesus, this is actually a big deal. This is a big thing to, to think through. Everyone's talking about Jesus as if they've seen him. But in my life, everyone I talk about to see or not see, I can see with my very own eyes. So it's really one of those first things that we, that we experience as an adaptation It represents a change from what it originally meant to follow Jesus. The original 12 disciples and those who followed him in his earthly ministry, Jesus being present meant, oh yeah, Jesus, he's here, he's over there. See him? Or it meant, oh, Jesus, you want to talk to me? Okay. That's what having a relationship with Jesus meant. You saw him. You heard him speak. And sometimes he spoke directly and personally to you. And in Matthew's gospel... When Jesus completes his farewell words to his disciples, before he leaves them, he leaves them with these words. Remember, I will be with you always. I mean, that phrase, groundbreaking adaptation. Right? Jesus basically says, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be here anymore, but I'm going to be with you always. Let that sink in. He's talking about being present in a new way. Present without being bodily present. Luke's account of Jesus' farewell extends into this first chapter of Acts. His second volume where he focuses on the birth and the growth of Christ's church. And it's here that we learn that Jesus will be with people in a new way and this new way is through the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the text. There is Jesus being described as being taken up Up, up, and ostensibly away. And then the Spirit descending. And this being the two movements that allow for Jesus to be present with the church in the world. So verse 2. Luke talks about until the day he was taken up to heaven. And then later on in verses 9 through 11, he says, After this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus bodily leaving the earth. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And then those two men dressed in white appeared before them and says, Why do you stand here staring into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, that promise still remains, but that promise was not, was not um, fulfilled like the next day when they woke up and, oh, Jesus, you're back. You said you would be back. As the church, we are still with all believers in all times and places up to this point. We together look forward to that day. When Jesus will make his return as he went into heaven. But Jesus opened up this new way of being with his disciples by talking about the Holy Spirit, who would descend as he ascends. So, verses four through eight the Holy Spirit descends. He tells his disciples to wait for the gift of my father that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and said, "Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel?" And he said, "It's it's not for you to know." And they still hadn't gotten the point yet that that. Jesus was basically saying, this Holy Spirit gift, I'm telling you, is the gift you're going to have of my presence when I'm gone. They hadn't quite gotten that, so Jesus, are you going to lead this thing on earth right now? And he says, it's not for you to know right now, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And then, that's in Acts chapter 1. Of course, we know from our uh, celebration of Pentecost each year, Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit descends. And, and the Spirit descends with, with wind and, and with, with flames of fire and with this unique, um, uh, this unique gifting that allows the gospel to be spoken in different languages. All of this is meant as an adaptation that will fuel the growth of the church throughout the world. So the adaptive move that we see here, first the disciples are in Jerusalem, and at this point there were 11, soon to be 12. Later on in chapter 1, Matthias is chosen to take Judas Iscariot's place, because at this time Judas is no more. Um, And along with that whole company, and you you heard in the text that that, uh, there were about 120 in this. So it's a lot more than just the original uh, 12 or 11. But this group would soon be much larger because not long after the Holy Spirit descended, the the church began, uh, and the Holy Spirit began calling people and drawing people to faith in Jesus in a miraculous way and the church began growing like wildfire. But right now, at this point, they are at a crossroads, the disciples are, as they look into heaven. Focused on where they saw Jesus' resurrected body go. The crisis is this. Should we stay looking at the sky and following Jesus' body or look ahead for the arrival of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised would come when he left? The work of adapting is the work of, uh, in this case, it was the work of trusting in what Jesus said. Trusting in what Jesus said and living with the discomfort that sometimes Jesus leaves us with. So Jesus left. And some of us still deal with this and it's our, it's our issue with God. Is God, I find it hard to believe in a Savior who I haven't seen personally. I wonder sometimes if you are there. So we know when we're feeling those feelings, thinking those thoughts, we have something in common with those early Christians. But the adaptive move is to adjust to Jesus being present through the Holy Spirit. So that's what Jesus meant. Is it... He was going to be not bodily present anymore, but he was going to be present with us through the Holy Spirit. It is doctrinally correct to understand that the holy, where the Holy Spirit is, Jesus is present. So doctrinally speaking, that is how we describe in the Christian church how Jesus can be present to all of us, inside us, outside of us, in the world, free flowing, able to be wherever Jesus wants to be. We don't have a doctrine of Jesus can be wherever Jesus wants to be outside of Jesus is present to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that aspect of our triune God that can be all those things. And Jesus is present with us through it. The important thing here is the whole idea of Jesus being able to be experienced without us seeing Jesus, is not something that people just made up to cover up the fact that we have this embarrassing secret that our Savior, no one can see. It didn't happen. It's not that kind of adaptation. It's that this is God's plan, and we needed to adapt to a new way of relating to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And the phrase, through the Holy Spirit, actually makes its way into our text today. Did you notice? In Luke's introduction, as he mentions his former book that we know of as the Gospel of Luke, the first two verses of Acts, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. You know the gospels don't talk a lot about Jesus speaking through the Holy Spirit. But here at the beginning of the this account of the church, Luke already, right, Luke is one of these disciples who knows Jesus we, from what we understand, Luke never met Jesus face to face, never saw him with his eyes, but knows Jesus intimately. Because he knows Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So he reports that all that Jesus told his disciples, he was telling them and teaching them through the Holy Spirit. Because that's how we learn. That's how Jesus continues to speak to us today, is through the Holy Spirit. That is at the basis of our doctrine of Scripture. That it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to actually receive the words of the Bible as God's word to us. And so successful was this adaptation to Jesus being present through the Holy Spirit that we understand now, without going through all that I have shared, at an elementary basic level, we understand that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, was present to these disciples, is present to disciples now, will continue to be present with disciples in the future. So what about the impact? We're just going to get right down to a very brief impact that is the understatement of the world. Because everything that we experience of Jesus Christ in this world is the impact of this. Because Jesus is working through the Holy Spirit. Then, to these early disciples, it opened their lives to a relationship with Jesus after his ascension into heaven. That relationship continued through the Holy Spirit, and it opened them to Jesus' power in their lives. And that power was available in all times and in any place, and it allowed the church to expand beyond the limits of Jesus' bodily presence. So think about this as as a strategic adaptation. Think geographically. Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's a pretty big earth. The gospel is no longer limited by proximity to where the physical bodily presence of Jesus is. All through the New Testament, and in our lives in the church today, regardless of where we are on the globe, we're not limited by that, are we? The church expanded by that. That was by God's design. That's God's design. Second, let's think generationally. As eyewitnesses of Jesus' bodily presence started to pass away, the church, however, continued to grow because it was now possible to have a personal relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior, even though you weren't one of the original eyewitnesses. You could be a witness of having a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So today there are close to 2.4 billion Christians in the world today. It's about a third of the world population. And not one of us needs to stand in a long line waiting for our turn to see Jesus for ourselves. I'm telling you, it's groundbreaking. Right from the beginning. (laughs) My encouragement to all of us in this season is to live into this adaptive move. In this new year, and especially in the week to come, reflect on how Jesus is with you personally in your life. Geographically. As your life takes you to different places on the map of your life, even this week, to the grocery store, from Snohomish County to King County, wherever. Go to the airport, fly to Europe. Whatever that is, Note how Jesus is present with you there. That's the impact. And I want to hear about all the places that you go that Jesus goes along with you. Come and and share with me what some of those places are. And then second, generationally, and another way you can look at this is temporally. That means having to do with time. Even though you were born 2,000 years after Jesus walked the earth, you can still walk with him and talk with him. There's that famous song, that chorus of that song, In the Garden, and he walks with me and talks with me. Another song that to that early group of Christians, before they had the Holy Spirit, doesn't make much sense, and yet to us it makes total sense. So count the number of times that you meet and greet Jesus this week. And have this adaptation remind you of the gift of the Holy Spirit that is with you wherever you go. In conclusion, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as the gift of his presence. And Jesus gave us the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as a reminder of his sacrifice for our salvation. As we celebrate our real-time communion with our Savior, Through the Holy Spirit, let's rejoice that indeed he is present in a new way. Amen.